welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 41, and we'll be talking about the 10th episode of Steven Universe, Steven's Lion. I'm GC13. I'm Ken. And I'm Hunter. And, uh, yeah, this, this episode, oh boy, what a doozy. There were the ups and the downs. And many hats had to be held. I, I, I didn't rewatch this episode. <laughs> Bad uh, Ten minutes of preparation necessary for each podcast. Tisk tisk. <laughs> I, I was doing stuff. You know, you know the disapproving glare Onion gives to Stephen in this episode? I'm giving that to you right now. No, I wouldn't know that disapproving glare because I did. Uh... <laughs> Touche. Before we get into that, though, I think we should mention that a few weeks ago, was it was like two weeks ago, it was announced that we were going to be getting a new episode of the Steven Universe starting in like August 6th or August 7th, and uh-huh. we did not cover that in previous episodes. Incidentally, it was also announced that season three was confirmed, that officially yep. got um, renewed for a third season, I don't think we mentioned that either, so there you go. But maybe it's a good thing we didn't get anyone's hopes up about the new episode of the Steven Universe coming. The hammer came down. Gone. Not anymore, guys. Yep, September. We gotta wait until September. <sighs> Cartoon Network! Gotta get my Kirk on. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what I'm gonna do. Well, I know what Mr. Smiley would say. In the case of hiatus, don't panic, stay calm. The show was acquired, a large catalog. This episode was as unremarkable as that joke. I really just don't have that much to say about it. Uh, really? The introduction of Lion, and you can't figure out... I can figure out some stuff to say about this one. Lion is not, like, a big selling point of the show to me. Oh, I, lo- I love Lion. I love the heck out of Lion. You know, you know how you guys all made fun of me for not being sure if Connie would stick around? You know, because, oh, she's in the intro. Well, Lion's not in the intro. And that was another one. Oh, wouldn't it be so cool if that if they actually did keep lying around? Did we ever have that conversation where we just like for Bubble Buddies? No, about lying. I don't know. I don't know about how many people did it, but I know I thought it. Oh, okay. And so I'm pretty sure there are other people who are hoping that Lion would come back because again, it was just the tenth episode. We didn't know what we were getting into. Yeah. No, we di- we didn't know the kind of continuity they had in store for us because it's like on Tough Puppy t- or Dudley can make a best friend for life and then they never even mention him again as even as a side joke for oh, I wonder whatever happened to him. I mean, at least in Adventure Time with the ancient psychic tandem war elephant, they like three seasons later make a joke. Oh, hey, I I I, for- I totally forgot about you. Yep. And the funny thing is, he was supposedly stashed in the treasure room, but in Bimo Noir, we're in the treasure room, and there's no lion or no elephant there. Uh, speaking of continuity, uh, did you guys check out that uh, Reddit post about how after, uh, what was it called, the the island adventure? Are you just talking about the one where Lara, Sadie, and Stephen yeah, are on yeah. the island? That's island adventure. Uh, after her little tussle with the invisible creature, ah, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, she yeah. G- there was a scar on her face, and it just stayed there for the... Rest of the season. But it was, Mr. Burnett was asked on Twitter whether the desert glass is a corrupted gem or not. And he said that it was. Ah, okay. So he specifically said that they come in all forms. So Hmm. apparently what he's trying to say is some gems corrupt into monsters, some corrupt into whatever the geode beetles are. Yeah. I mean, they're certainly beastly forms, but they're not, you know, monstrous. They just sit there and do whatever. Apparently, people build temples for them. That's interesting. 
And then you have some that mimic what they would be like if they were forced to power an object like Lapis was. Because after after Lapis, after we got to see Mirror Gem and Ocean Gem, it's like, oh, so gems will use other gems to power some of their objects. I looked back at that desert class, and I thought it fit the bill for a gem-powered object pretty clearly. I mean, you see in you, you see in the opening sequence where Steven's alone in the desert. Well, when he's being confronted by Lion, you see the desert class is acting very very consciously to expose Steven to Lion as much as possible. But if this was a gem-powered object, why? What use is there for a gem that just willy-nilly makes fortresses here and there? Because it's not like the gem wasn't cracked, I believe. The gem was not cracked like Lapis's was. And that's what we can sort of put to why Lapis, like why the mirror was going haywire and why Lapis was able to regain some control. But this gym looks perfectly fine. Uh, what use is there for just... Well, back when I was assuming that it was simply a gem-powered artifact, I was thinking that, you know, instant fortress just adds sand? How can that not be useful? But if it if it is a different form of corruption, then we don't have to wonder how it gained its free will again. And, you know, it's yeah. just, it's right, corrupted, so... But yeah, if if they were to make an artifact that does what the Desert Glass does, I mean... Assuming you have things in deserts that you want to protect, being able to plop down a fortress wherever you want would be very helpful. I can see that being very useful as long as you have control over it. Yeah, because, because Garnet is at least as strong as an elite warrior gem, and she can't even crack the walls. It takes a special ability from Lion to take care of the walls. I don't know. I don't know how they got it. Probably because it wasn't expecting to be attacked. That's probably how they were able to get it the first time. Hmm. Well, I really don't care about lore or fan theories, particularly fan theories. But I am curious if you, either of you, know of any fan theories pertaining to Lion. Because clearly Lion is intimately involved with Rose somehow, but that's not something that I hear being discussed very often. There was that one thread. I found it interesting where it talked about how Lion, where when Rose became Steven, or when Steven became Rose, or either way, Rose is this incredibly powerful, uh, as, as, at least as far as we know, this incredibly powerful woman of war, like this tactician who, she was the America to the British Empire. She fought back against a threat far larger than herself and supposedly won. Now, that is a lot of power to bestow onto an infant. And people theorize that in order to protect Stephen and to just sort of adjust him to normal human life, she split herself into two entities, Stephen and the Lion. And somebody pointed out that uh, in a few later episodes, the Lion's been a little uh, sluggish and a little slow, a little weaker. Like how in the Sardonyx episode, uh, when they got to the hub communication tower, he just sort of collapsed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he did have three adults on him. Yeah, but he's, he's a lion. Come on. I mean, how much do lions weigh? 800 pounds? Mm-mm. I mean, they're not, they're not really the optimum build for carrying people on their backs, are they? What about a magic lion? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. W- was he bred to carry heavily armored soldiers into battle? Hopefully he was bred to defend himself against dentists. Am I right? Topical jokes. Oh, topical! You made a <laughs> oh. joke! Joke's on Ken! <laughs> Uh, but speaking of being ridden into battle, I think we all, I think I speak for the entire fandom when I say that I really want to see Stefani ride into battle on Lion. Oh, we all do. We all really do. 
But um, the, the theory is that, like, you know, Steven's been gaining his powers back, or he's been gaining powers. Um, he's been, like, growing, becoming more powerful. And the theory is that as Steven gets stronger, Lion will eventually just sort of grow weaker and at one point or another disappear. There's also a theory that he won't disappear. He will instead revert back to his original form, Greg's cat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is an interesting fan theory, but I do wonder where the portals come from, because we've never really got any implication that Rose was good with portals. I mean, Steven has a bajillion different powers, so it wouldn't be, you know, out of the question for that to be one of the powers he ends up getting. But that seems to be Lion's thing, the the portal travel. Yeah. And I do wonder. I mean, it's it's obvious that Lion has some kind of connection to Rose. I, I guess I just always assumed that Lion was some kind of a familiar. I mean, that's why he's pink. Obviously. I mean, I thought it was it was kind of obvious. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you don't get too much discussion about it because there's not a whole lot to go on yet. Yeah, there's not much development behind Lion because you know, he he doesn't talk. You know, nobody really knows anything about his previous anything really yeah he's he's currently a mysterious force whose purpose is to expose steven to other secrets he's he's kind of like a a guide animal mm-hmm. i don't i don't know i i honestly don't know I, I mean if you couldn't get you couldn't get much closer to the classic familiar a a magical creature that helps you know their their owner with getting into the world of magic Oh, also, uh, some more backing behind the lion is a part of Rose theory is that, uh, in the comics, we saw that each gym has their own little sort of subspace inside their gym. Like when and they retreat there, it's like a, a, not quite a physical location, but it, for all intents and purposes, it's like a domain of its own. And he has the same kind of pocket yep. dimension. Yep. And it's Rose's stuff in there. Like yep. it's, it's undeniably stuff from before. Rose became Steven. And we all want to know what's in the dang treasure chest. I'm I'm more uh, curious to see what happens uh, when that, that thing... That bismuth? We think it's bismuth. It looks like bismuth. It totally could be bismuth. Somebody somebody recently put up a theory about uh, how that instead of like it being a trapped gem, it being bismuth, it totally could be just a piece of technology. Like, they hinted at us to now, but will only ever come out in, like, the the height of a Season 3 climax, you know? Bottom line is, there's still a lot of mysteries on this show. So, Ken, you're not too interested in lore and stuff, and you're more into the characters. What about how far Steven can throw? Yeah, I noticed that, too. <laughs> like, that was... Boy's got an arm on him. He needs to stop saving the world, and he needs to get into the, you know, major leagues now. Do that MLB, that NFL, something. Yeah, he, he can he can play baseball in the summer, and he can play football in the winter. I mean, what what can't Steven do? He's an actor. He's an athlete. Goodness, uh, he can. I don't think Steven can stop being awesome. I think that's beyond uh, his that's, abilities. That, that's that's absolutely true. He's a beautiful dancer. Oh yes, that that's also true. He can get pregnant. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What? 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 In this episode, Ronaldo says, Steven, oh. you're pregnant? Oh. Yeah, order in for two. Yeah. Um, he can wrestle? Yeah. I mean, he could probably be the champion of Beach City Underground if he wanted. He has, he has very polite, very polite hands. <laughs> yeah, I almost forgot about that. I think that's my favorite <laughs> quote from the universe. 
And never forget, he has excellent taste in cell phone ringtones. Oh, of course, of course. And also very good judge of character. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Lars and him, BFFs. Mm -hmm. Hey, you laugh now, but when Lars saves his life, when Lars saves his life, we're all going to be like, Everybody thought Lars was terrible, but Steven saw the good in him. When Lars defeats Yellow Diamond, you will all be... Who will be the one laughing then? Me. That's who. We all know it's Mayor Dewey who's going to do the final defeat of Yellow Diamond. No, Mayor Dewey and Lars are going to (laughs) fuse into Louie. But you do want to know a funny observation? I never noticed this before until I went back to watch this today. Because I was watching it on a a better screen Mm -hmm. this time. We got another clue about the time frame that, well, I wouldn't call it a clue, but another mention of the approximate time frame that the show takes place in, because the pizza shop is advertising that they were voted best pizza in town in 2000. Oh, well, post-2000. But how how far how far post two thousand are we talking? We talking like Buck Cherry two thousand? We talking like that's the only two thousand that matters. Hold on, let me let me have a look here. <laughs> we talking like smartphone two thousand? We talking like people are still playing GameCube two thousand? Because I know on Greg's keyboard setup or his what's it called? His little synthesizer here. Uh huh. He's got a Tor 07 button or not button but sticker. So presumably, presumably in the year 2007, he was on tour with his little synthesizer here. I mean, really, really, this is just putting a, it has to be at least 07. I mean, but we, we, we don't know, we, we don't know for sure what year they're reckoning from. We assume that since everything looks like our time, that it is about our time, but yeah, they, I think, they could I think... pull the rug out from under us if they wanted. They could be sneaky. I don't know. I think that it'd be safe to assume that it's in our time. Like, I, I'm normally like totally down for uh, all sorts of fan theories and uh, putting effort into finding stuff out, but I, it, this just doesn't seem worth it. Like it, we know it's after 07. That's all we really need to know. It, like so we know it's between 07, unless it's in like the Giga future and they like restarted all of time. That's well, all we need to know. We don't know. We just can't be sure, but it certainly looks like, to them, it takes place in, like, the 2012-2015 kind of area. Mm-hmm. That looks to be the numbers they would use to describe it. And since they have 2012-2015-ish technology, you know, all we all we really need to question is then, well, a whole bunch of tinfoil hat stuff involving the armor of the Fallen. Let's leave that to Ronaldo. Gotta go full Ronaldo, and I don't have... I just don't have the energy to go full Ronaldo right now. It's a, it's a very... Yeah, I, who, st- who storyboarded this episode? This episode was storyboarded by uh, Lamar Abrams and Alice Romanales. Oh. Romanilis. I Have I heard of her? You haven't really seen her name come up all that much. Well, now we know why! No, I'm... <laughs> Harsh. Sorry, I said her. Alice is definitely a man. Oh, wow. I, I've insulted Alice on many... L- I'm so sorry, Alice. I'm... <laughs> I'm sure you're a delightful man. This episode first aired on January 27th, 2014, and it had 1.512 million views. Well, not one of my favorites. I thought it was pretty good. I really, we, we really need to see people make neon cat drawings of Stephen and Lion. You know, just the, when they're flying out, when they're flying around, it, it just, it's so perfect for it. All right, as soon as we pull out the Nyan Cat, uh, that's that's when we're, we, we're done for the day. All right, thank you for joining us in the Lunar Seaspire podcast. 
I'm GC13. Leave us a review on iTunes. I'm Ken. And I'm Hunter. Later, kiddos. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.